You're listening to The Plug with Neil Griffith. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Plug Podcast with me, Neil Griffiths. Good to have you company, everyone. What a week it's been. Don't know what it is for you, but it's Thursday for me. And my gosh, it's been a week. I am so excited about this episode. Before we get into it, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you are listening. And check us out on Instagram, at The Plug with Neil Griffiths, or on TikTok, at theplug.podcast. Let's get into this week's show. My guest this week is someone that Teenage Neil will be giving infinite high fives to. And that man is Dan Marsala, the frontman of Story of the Year. Dan came on to talk about the band's upcoming sixth album. It's called Tammy the Pieces and it's due out on March 10. Following the release of the album, Story of the Year will head to Australia for Knotfest in March alongside Slipknot, Parkway Drive, Megadeth and so many more bands. Head to notfest.com slash Australia for tickets. And then they'll be back in the US with Yellow Card on their headline tour from July. Check out ticketmaster.com for details. I have been a fan of Story of the Year since their debut album Page Avenue came out in 2003 and it was so much fun sitting down with Dan talking about that time, that scene and its resurgence in the last few years. While this upcoming record is being called a career-defining album for the band, Dan spoke about the overwhelming success Story of the Year had in the two 2000s, and he also told me something that I'm still not over. Spoilers, it involves Spider-Man. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Dan Marsala on The Plug Podcast. All right, welcoming to the podcast. I'm very, very stoked to welcome Dan Marsala, front man of Story of the Year. Dan, thanks for coming on, man. That's me. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, and I assume you're and somewhere on the east coast of Australia, maybe? East coast of America, actually. I'm in New York now. Oh, all right. You're not. Okay. Okay. I thought you were in Australia. So, that's the, so the time difference is not too crazy for us right now. I've been doing so yeah. much Australian stuff that I keep having to figure out what time it is for everybody. I'm like, man, yeah. this is crazy. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, obviously, I've been in Sydney for my whole life, but moved to New York like five months ago now. So okay. this has been Welcome. like... Thank you, man. This has been like the pathetic most pathetic winter i've ever seen in my life and everyone's like man you wait till february in new york it's fine it's light (laughs) jumper weather the world is weird now you know weather (laughs) weather makes no sense anymore i don't know it used to snow here all the time it barely ever even gets cold you never know (laughs) how have things been on your end anyway man how's your 2023 been so far everything's great uh getting busy again which is good you know um it's exciting to finally have some new stuff and be full-time doing story of the year again because uh we had we had some years where we were kind of took accidentally took a hiatus where we Mm. didn't didn't do a whole lot for a lot of years but but yeah getting busy again and it's great i said right before we started recording i've been a fan of you guys since page avenue which 20 years this year and i was 13 when it came out um and and to to your point you mentioned that you guys like kind of took whether self-imposed hiatus hey hiati hiatuses or not yeah we'll use that one yeah but um, it was funny. I saw on, I don't know if it was the official story of the Instagram or one of the band members' Instagrams, but I saw the the photo of what turned out to be the war film clip and the cocaine addict character. But I thought, <laughs> oh, Bobby. Sh- yeah, Cocaine Bobby. I thought, oh, shit, these guys are either off the wagon or their Instagram has been hacked. 
And then <laughs> like, I saw what the is happening? I had no knowledge of the film clip yet. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? What's happened to these guys? Thankfully, <laughs> it's just a music video, which by the way, everyone should check out. Yes, uh, we had a lot of fun making that. Like for 20 years now, we've wanted to make a funny video because we had so much like DVD footage back in the day and just mm. dumb. We were, we're always, you know, really dumb and we like to have fun. And, you know, we're very immature for uh, for a bunch of grownups. But, uh, but yeah, this song kind of war, it kind of was finally like lyrically, it's, it's uh, not too specific about, you know, it's like, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's not like a silly lyrical song or anything, but it, it fit the vibe finally to where we can make something funny and have it just be ironic with the, the, the music itself. So it was awesome. And it, it turned out really, really funny and really fun. It was just a great time. And it's, I'm happy we got to make something like that finally. Speaking of funny videos, do you remember the, it was one of the first things I saw a story of the year, like the early documentaries. And I think it was you actually, you introduced me to the, is your refrigerator running? You better go catch it joke. You guys went through a drive-thru. <laughs> At the drive-thru. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You better <laughs> fucking catch it. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Jesus. Fuck. How, how um, long ago was that? Yeah. Uh, that was in, well, yeah, that was like in like our early EP, EPK thing. Yeah. That we, like got signed, we got signed off of all that. And then we put, I think most of that's in our DVD that came out later too. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, that was like, you know, 2000, 2001. Like we were still like just starting out local band, trying to just be crazy and get attention from people, you know? And uh, it was less about the music and more about just like, just the energy and like the fun of being a band. And uh, it worked because John Feldman got that, got that vhs tape that we left on their bus uh john feldman from goldfinger who produced mm. uh pink avenue so and uh, after he saw it he's like i gotta take these guys on tour they look fun and uh, then he wanted to do our record and it all turned out great but sometimes being an idiot pays off so but that's how it's done like you left a vh vhs tape on goldfinger's tour bus and feldman was like what the fuck is this yeah basically i think wow. darren their old drummer actually watched it and he was like john you got to watch this these these kids are crazy yeah we played a a, a radio festival in st louis with yeah. them in 2000 2002 i think um right before we moved out to california for a year and uh it all just kind of worked out to where we went to california feldman was there we all you know got together and yeah it was crazy yeah i got a lot of cool yeah, I got, I, got, I got some questions about Feldman a bit later on, but um, I do want to say congratulations on this album, Antimony to Pieces. It's coming out on March 10. Um, yeah. This is this is a big one because Ryan Phillips, your fellow bandmate, said this is a career-defining album, which is a big statement for any record. Do you agree with that? Um, yes, I do. Uh, uh, you know, I think like just the the genre itself is kind of, you know, having a resurgence uh, in whatever this is, you know, people call it emo or whatever nowadays, but uh, I never really thought that we were an emo band or that any music that in this genre was emo necessarily, because that was kind of a different thing in the 90s and stuff. But mm. um, but yeah, I, I willing willingly uh, accept any labels that people put on our music, but um, I love that there's just a resurgence and a new excitement about this, this style again. And uh, it's like the perfect time for us to be releasing this record and uh, we were really excited making it and it's like the perfect balance of of uh, like old like Page Avenue feeling but like uh, new and uh, a new energy and you know uh, just uh, with a little growth and uh, you know a lot more a lot more uh, whatever is going on nowadays so yeah I think it's like the perfect balance of everything we've kind of always been good at and uh, yeah I think that it's the right time and hopefully uh, people like it as much as we do because we're excited about it. It's funny you say that because I remember listening to Page Avenue 
um, and then straight into in the wake of in the wake of determination. Sorry, um, from some of the songs we've heard on this new album, it feels like it. That's a weird mixture of both those records. I remember again, if we want to use the the emo term, people who I went to school with who didn't like screamo, they were not a fan of it. Then I showed them some songs from In the Wake of Determination. They're like, "Oh, this is like it's it was more rockier. It felt more." There was a lot of like like kind of like almost like eighties glam rock in there. Like the solos in that record were crazy as well. Do you agree with that? Like this album, obviously it's a growth of the band, but this is there is a lot of nostalgic sounds on here. Yeah, there. Yeah, that's always been our our kind of our lane. You know, we we like the uh, the emotional, like you know, uh, like whatever we you know. I forgot that people used to call it screamo. I mean, I guess that's still <laughs> a thing too. But uh, that was like the term back then. And uh, yeah. but yeah. We, but we were also like we were influenced by everything from like late '80s metal stuff, like Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Skid Row. Sebastian Bach is my favorite singer of all time. Mm. Uh, so th- we definitely always had like that kind of in the back burner. But then it was like you know the grunge movement happened, and then I was always into like the more '90s skate punk kind of stuff. And um, but you know, and then there was new metal all happening around this time. It was just like a weird time to uh, come up and be influenced from all these different uh, corners of music of rock music. So yeah, we were just some kind of, you know, amalgamation of all of that. And uh, yeah, so we're still just trying to do that. You know, it's like, we're still pulling from these same influences that are all over the place. But I like, you know, we like to have, uh, you know, a strong, big chorus and uh, and something that riffs pretty hard on a guitar as well. I think that that combo is always great. So that's always been what we strive to do. And, you know, but this time uh, our producer who produced this uh, new record, uh, Colin Britton, he's just amazing. He's a... Uh, He's, he really helped like focus our energy and our sound again. He was like, look, man, like some of these things we had written already. He was like, this is, this sounds like story of the year, but like old. He's like, this is not what you want. This is not what people want to hear from story of the year. So he really like kicked us into gear and got us back to like that older, the, 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 uh, the energy of like the early days and uh, refocused us. And I, I think it turned out really good. And alluding to what we said earlier in the podcast about, um, how much time has passed and you guys being crazy kids. It's been six al- six years since the last album. Has that been a, a conscious decision because you guys have, I mean, we've all been dealing with the fucking COVID pandemic, but it, have you guys just been taking some time for yourselves and your family? Has it been a decision to kind of just pull back a bit and, and write music that you guys are really passionate about? Yeah, uh, in between our fourth record, The Constant, and then Wolves that we put out, I guess it's been six years now, which yeah. is crazy. Um, wild. Um, yeah, in between that, it had been like six or seven years as well. And that was like kind of purposeful. We, we kind of just needed to go away and refocus, you know, just kind of figure out, you know, what we were doing. We were on the road for like 10 straight years, just hard, you know, just touring 300 days a year, just playing shows constantly. And yeah, we needed to slow down and kind of refocus. And, uh, so that was kind of what we did on wolves. And, um, that was like us, okay, we're going to, we're going to be back. And we're, we were trying to be like full time again after that, but yeah, then, you know, the world uh, decided to, to shit on us and, uh, not let us do that anymore. So, uh, so that definitely put a pause on everything we were working on, but, um, I think it was another great, you know, refocus and it got us to where we are right now. And I think this record wouldn't exist without all that happening. So yeah, maybe it's a good thing. But yeah, we did not intend it to be another six years. But just yeah, we are all grown ups with uh, children and families. And so yeah, th- other th- life gets in the way sometimes when you're, you know, trying to be a musician. It's hard. Was that a call you guys made pre Wolves or post Wolves? Because I remember seeing an interview where you kind of said like, we're done touring for 300 days of the year. Yeah, 
Yeah, and we still are, we we don't want to tour like that anymore. We yeah. do a few weeks at a time now, you know, and um, which works out really good for us right now. Uh, it just depends on what the what the offers are and what it is, you know. But we're trying to just do a few weeks here and there and uh, stay busy. But we don't want to be gone for months and months at a time. And you know, you don't want to watch your kids grow up, you know, over Facetime uh, on a Zoom call like this. You know, having to mm. try to parent like that is not as <laughs> uh, not as not ideal. So. Um, it's hard to balance that, you know, being rock and roll band guy and then being a parent as well, but we're trying to make it work. It's hard for a lot of musicians that are all doing the same thing. You know, it's crazy. Do you guys feel like you, you mastered that because that was a a crazy time in itself, but pre-Wolves, you know, um, you had, geez, you had Adam leave in 2014 then Philip leave in 2018 and Adam came back around the time Wolves came out as well. Like forget about the touring side of things. Was that just an erratic time for the band in general? It, th- that all just kind of like happened. Adam was, well, we were all sick of kind of sick of touring constantly. So Adam left, you know, and it was like, it was never a bad thing. He was just like, I can't do this right now. Like I need to step back from the band and just chill. So it was fine. We we're like, cool, but just do the four piece thing. Um, and then whenever the Phil stuff was happening later, it was like, okay, well, if he's going to leave, we have to get Adam back because we have to maintain like some sense of, you know, the original members of this band. Um, so that just worked out and Adam was fully back on board and he was ready to and excited again. So yeah, uh, it, it's like a marriage to four men, four <laughs> guys being married to each other. So, or five or however many, you know, or in, the, in any band, but, uh, so it's, it's, it's hard, it's relationships and it gets, it gets crazy. And there's a lot that we have to deal with together and, you know, stuff happens. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And going back to what we said earlier about Feldman, 20 years since Page Avenue, it's wild to think that we're talking about this album in 2023 and Feldman was the reason you guys got in touch with Britain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we actually were in talks with Feldman again for this record. Actually like basically like right when the pandemic stuff started, we were in talks with him about maybe, you know, getting together and working on some music and, um, and then, you know, the world got all crazy and it got postponed and we didn't end up going out to do stuff with him. Um, and then he got busy and booked up and he was like, look, I have this dude that, you know, worked with me for a long time, Colin Britton, and he's amazing. He, th- I, I think he would be perfect for you guys. And it ended up being like the best blessing ever because uh, Colin's just so great and he's a big fan of ours, but he's a little younger than us. So like he sees us from the pan- fan perspective mm. and also from the great production perspective. So it was really kind of what we needed at the time. And I'm sure we would have made a, something cool with Feldman too, but I feel like the new young energy gave us gave us a little something special. Feldman is just a, a crazy guy in itself. He's been on this podcast and he is just so open and he's so passionate about the acts he's working with and just not even the acts that he's actively working with, just bands like like you guys. He mentioned you guys in the podcast. He just fucking loves music and these bands. Like you telling me that that VHS tape sounds surprising. It's like out of a movie, but with Feldman, it's kind of like yeah. that makes sense. He just he taps yeah. into it. And he loves something, yeah, he's all in. And yeah, he he goes to war for whatever project he's working on. And uh, that, yeah, he did everything for us. You know, he took us and got us the, uh, the uh, uh, what's it called when you play for the freaking label? Uh, a showcase for uh, Maverick Records. Yeah. And uh, that's what ended up getting us signed. And, um, you know, and then he was just the spearhead of making that record with us. And he did it all. And uh, we owe most of our success to John Feldman for sure. But um yeah, I he's he's amazing in that way and he's a great producer and he's he's a genius all around. Looking for a new sound in 2023? The new ATH TWX9 is Audio Technica's flagship true wireless headphone. 
These fully customizable premium buds deliver incredible high fidelity audio with adaptive noise cancelling and dual microphones for professional call quality. So whether you're listening to your favourite tunes, podcasts or just looking for some peace and quiet, step up your headphone game with the new ATH-TWX9. Available now at JB Hi-Fi Australia and audiotechnica.com. It's funny, like I remember when I was talking to him, obviously we all know him as as the frontman of Goldfinger. And he's like, yeah, I kind of just realized like I had a decision to make. Goldfinger was never going to be uber famous and successful. So do I just keep doing this and make a little money or lean into producing and make a lot of money? And I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck, well yeah, said. And, and, and he has the the ear for it. And, you know, he's a great musician all around. Like he can play everything. And um, yeah, we were, I mean, we were one of the earlier bands that he produced, you know, it was like the used record came out mm. right before ours. Um, and he had done Mest, I think before that, yeah. and maybe a couple of smaller records, but, but we were like, at, the used was his first like real, like successful record that he was producing. And then our record was the follow-up to that. So yeah, we were in early with him and uh, he was still, you know, in his third, early thirties, probably just like he was like, he was, yes, he was like, I'm going to stop playing music as much i want to focus on this but he was still pretty young you know it's pretty crazy and he lived in a little tiny two-bedroom house uh that we recorded page avenue in just a little bit like a seriously a bedroom with a drum set in the corner and mm-hmm. a desk and like uh, like his pro tools rig and that was it and then a mic on the other side of the it was just we all were just in a bedroom recording a record sold million sold over a million <laughs> records from a bedroom it's just crazy and the use same same exact yeah. bedroom same thing it's crazy so did he have a reputation in that time or because you guys were also new, it was kind of like a, we don't know any better. Let's just run with this guy and see what happens. Yeah. We were big Goldfinger fans, like we're saying. Yeah. And, uh, um, and then the used record had just came out and I was like, wow, the production on this is great. I thought it was amazing. I was like, Oh, John from Goldfinger did that. I was like, that's cool. And then it just, yeah, we didn't really know. It was kind of just all fell into place for us. It wasn't like we searched him out necessarily. It just, we just kind of met up in that magic, magic day of that radio festival where we gave him that dumb video. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we, it just worked out and we were like, cool. Yeah. I would love to make a record with John. Felton. This is great. <laughs> had no idea like the impact he would have on so much rock music for the next 20 years, you know, but yeah, we lucked out. And we, we mentioned before this weird resurgence of emo punk pop, punk rock, whatever you want to call it. Before I get into that part, I, it is funny that, we, again, we're talking about Page Avenue released in, two, what, 2003? Yeah, 2003. Yeah, I was 13, and you mentioned the used, like, In Love and Death, I think, came out the very next year. Looking back yep. at t- Teenage Neil, that was just a wild time of, this is, like, the best music of my life, and it's it's the coolest thing ever. Was it like that on the inside? Because I remember Bert McCracken's been on this podcast, and he does not have a very... Cool. It's not that he doesn't love it, but he's like, that was not a great time for him. In my eyes, the used were going up and up and up and being like this great successful band. Bert was going the opposite way because he did not like fame. He did not want to be successful. He just liked playing with his friends. Did you have a similar experience with, you know, as the more story that you got bigger, was it the opposite for you? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Because the, you know, the influence for all of our bands at that time, it was more of an underground, you know, punk rock kind of vibe. Um, and there, you know, there was bands like, uh, like refused and Glassjaw and at the drive-in all these bands that were like mm-hmm. kind of doing the same similar style um that were like more underground and then like started getting bigger but then bands like us and the used and uh taking back sunday and a few others you know we actually took it more to the mainstream side mm. of things and yeah we weren't expecting that at all though yeah i i i was not i just wanted to be in a band and i hoped that we could just tour and like people would maybe 
buy a few of our records. You know, I had no expectations that, you know, we would do anything more than that. So yeah, um, we kind of always fought against like the, 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 we made all the wrong decisions on purpose. So we wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't get bigger. You know, yeah. it was like, they tried to take us to top 40 radio a few times and we were like, nope, nope, can't do it. Don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. And uh, we had like turned down so many like movie offers and just crazy stuff because, because yeah, you, you start getting freaked out. Um, you know, whenever the, the world's just flying at you and it's just madness and uh, you're like, wow, I don't know if I can handle all that. We just want to be kids to play music, you know, and you know, some things uh, I look back on and I'm like, wow, you're an idiot. You should have just taken, taken that payday and just went for it. But, uh, but I don't think we'd still be a band after 20 years if, if we didn't have some of that, like keep yourself grounded and, you know, you know, just uh, I, the music has always been more important, you know, like let's make sure that we love what we're doing and that we're having fun. And then, you know, the fame is that uh, success is good. I, we never needed fame though. Yeah. Like was the rejecting stuff like, you know, you mentioned like going to mainstream radio, was that because like, was it a status thing or was it like a fear that if we start leaning into this in six months time, we're going to be doing a song with fucking Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was it, cause the like, credibility was different back then. Like everybody was a sellout. If you did anything wrong, mm. you know, you had to be like, you had to be like super punk rock and do everything underground. You couldn't be, it was like every, there was so many labels on everything and everybody was scared to sell out and be a nerd, you know? <laughs> so which is weird because over the years that totally just disappeared, especially as the, you know, the, the hip hop scene got bigger and like, that's all about making money and like, fuck everything, get paid, you know? Um, and now the rock world kind of caught up to that, I feel like, but, but you know, there's a balance, you know, but I don't know. It, it was a weird time in music to where you, you were not supposed to do anything that would sell, sell yourself out. I don't know. It was so stupid. I don't know, but there's no good reason not to do these <laughs> things. Other than, if you believe in what you're doing, you should put make it as big as you possibly can but it was a weird time was it because again i was i would have been 10 at the time like say i remember when limb biscuit did the theme song for mission impossible 2 did they get backlash for that again i was too young to remember but i remember that song slapping yeah uh i don't know that new metal era was like was a a little different because they they were all they were all kind of doing that and it was a little like over the top and everybody was like okay well this is too mainstream so then, by, I, although our stuff wasn't that far off, but I think by the time our next wave of, of what we were doing came up, like it was, it was trying to be more, you know, just more like, I don't know, just grungier and like just simple, simple. I don't know. I really don't know. It, it's, it's so weird to think back on it now because in the moment you didn't think about any of it. It's just like, no, can't do that. I don't, I don't know why, but I'm not doing that, you know? Mm. And looking back on things, it just seems crazy now. How it, things just change so much every five, 10 years. It just, it's different. Also depends on the movie you turned down, right? If it was a theme song for Titanic, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it was uh, Spider-Man two was the one that we literally could was have that- easily, the one the dashboard ended up doing. Vindicated. No fucking way. Yeah. Yeah. They offered it to us for Anthem of our dying day first, and they wanted to put Spider-Man in the video and we had just filmed the video um, with Johan from, from Lincoln Park and uh, the video that is out now. But they wanted us to replace some of the clips with Spider-Man footage. And we were like, nah, man, people are going to make fun of us if we do that. But literally, it would have been the easiest thing ever. And it would have been a massive hit, you know. And it was like, why would we turn that down? But we were just scared. We were scared of the the craziness that would come with all that, you know. And Yeah, so Dashboard, you're welcome. And imagine like... <laughs> An angel comes down in 2023 and says, by the way, Spider-Man is like one of the biggest things in the world right now. 
take the fucking yeah. deal. Is have you ever told someone that before? Is this is this news? Um, we, we kind of have told people, but uh, we kind of forgot about it for a long time. We've been talking about it a lot lately, like all the dumb <laughs> things that we did over the years, and now we, you know, I, we kind of just remembered all of that. And it's it's so, there was other ones too, but that's like the real that's big the one. Big one. Was, what? Wow. Yeah. Fuck. I'm just, I gotta take a minute and process that. That's devastating. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was the right choice. I don't know. I have no idea what would have happened otherwise, you know, because it didn't, it didn't ruin Dashboard's career by any means. Mm. You know, that was a great song for them. And, and, you know, that was, that was a big success for them. And that was great. So it all worked out how it should. But yeah, it's weird to think about what could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I've asked a few people that have come on this podcast recently because, again, we talk about this resurgence. I've had guys on from Mayday Parade. I've had um, Vic on from Pierce the Veil. I've had Andrew McMahon on. Do you know why the fuck this resurgence is happening? I love it, but I don't <laughs> know why. Like, Blinker back, Yellow Carter back, and you're about to tour with them. Fallout Boy are back. Paramore just released an album. What is yeah. going on? I don't know. I think it's just like a 20 year cycle. I think that kind of always happens. You know, it's like, uh, cause I feel like that like happened with like eighties metal kind of stuff. Like it went away and it wasn't cool for a while. And then all of a sudden like the big bands like Motley Crue's back out, you know, and they, that kind of stuff just like circles back around. Like, I feel like 10 to 15 years in everything's like, Nope, that's not cool anymore. And then you give it another five. I think it's like the people like your age, you know, who loved it and when they were younger and then, you know, moved on to other things probably for a few years and then, you know, you circle back around and you're like, well, that's the stuff I grew up on. And that's why I still love that music. Like once people get a little bit older and um, yeah, I, I don't really know, but I, I just see that that trend kind of always happens in, in rock music, especially it's like the 20 year return of all the same shit mm. again. It's crazy. You guys played when we were young last year. What was that yeah. experience? I've seen footage. I've seen <laughs> 40,000 people watching the first set of the day. When does that ever happen at a festival? Yeah, we played pretty early. Uh, we played at like two something uh, yeah. all of the all three days, and um, or well, we, the one day got rained out or yeah. winded out. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but we were a little worried. It was like that's kind of early. We we're like, I bet there will still probably be five or ten thousand people at least. But no, it was like forty to fifty thousand people yeah. screaming as loud as they could. The, one of the most amazing crowds that. I mean, we've played big crowds like that, but this was like concentrated. They were all of our fans in one place. You know, I've never seen that many people sing until the day I die all at the same time. Like it was, it was a real crazy experience and uh, yeah. Awesome. I mean, everything about it, just seeing all of our friends, everybody there has, there was somebody we had toured with or something, you know, it's like, we knew so many people and it was like a cool high school reunion and also the, one of the best crowds of all time. It was awesome. Are you having conversations with like fellow peers from that scene? Like, are you catching up with Taking Back Sunday and going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, well, everybody's just like, fuck yeah, this is great. I don't know what's going on. It's the but best. <laughs> we're here. We're here for it. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Every band, every band that we've, uh, every time we run into somebody, it's like, dude, fuck yeah, we're all here. <laughs> like, look at us. 20 years later, look at us. We're still fucking doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool too because there was never a lot of 
um, competition or anything amongst you know, all of our bands in the scene, but but there kind of always is. You know, it's like one band does a little better. Like when Mike Kim started blowing up after we had toured with them a few times, it was like, man, fuck. I was like, they de- they deserve it. They're a great band, but it's like, wow, they got really massively big. You know, um, but it was never a competition, and especially now, all these years later, it's just really cool to be like, hey, we're all we all did it, and we're all doing good still, and everything's great, and we're all just happy for each other, and it's it's a really cool vibe, especially now. It's awesome. Just like the yellow card tour that we're getting ready to do. It's like we've been friends with them for so long. Um, And uh, it's like both of our records are turning 20. So it's like we knew we had to do something this year finally because we've we've only done like warp tours and a couple things in like Australia and stuff. But we've never done a real U.S. tour together like that. So Mm -hmm. it's just fun to be friends still and be like, yeah, let's let's do stuff. I remember Ryan Key was on the podcast years ago when he came to Australia and he was so adamant. He's like, yeah, like yellow card done. Like it's it's over. Like imagine they've that was that would have only been like three four years ago. Yeah, yeah they they've had their issues where they they break up for a little while mm-hmm. and then I think they just start to crave it. It's like one of those things that's just in your soul. You cannot stop doing this kind of thing. You know, it's like nothing ever lives up to the same feeling as you know going on stage and playing music that you wrote and singing seeing people scream it back at you. It's 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 like the ultimate high. So. Um, I can only imagine that they go away for a few years and say, nah, fuck that. We have to, we have to do this still, but yeah, they, they've tried to give up a few times, but they yeah, that's the coming back. I've, I've mentioned this, this story a few times. Um, I interviewed Mel- Melancholin a few years ago as well. And, you know, they've been the same four guys in the band since day one. And I was like, is, yeah. is there a secret to this? Because we know that, you know, as bands grow up, you can just drift apart. It just happens like with friends. And they're like, oh, yeah, we just don't talk. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, like, so like we'll write an album together, we'll tour it, and then we do not speak until someone says, let's write another album. I'm like, that sounds That's horrible. But like it's, I mean, it's, it works. But like what, what yeah. is your relationship with your band members after 20 fucking years? Um, we're not like that. I mean, we do like separate sometimes mm. if we're on tour for a, a, a month or so, it's like we get home and I might not talk to anybody for a couple of weeks, you know, but, um, but no, I, I, we're all from St. Louis. We all grew up down the street from each other. And it's like, uh, especially the four piece now, um, that we, it was the original four piece when we were called big blue monkey was, was with these same guys. So it's like, although we had other guitar players in between, it's still the same four guys, you know? So, um, we've just always been friends we kind of grew up skateboarding and doing other things that were more important than music in the early days like we just hung out and music was kind of like our hobby and we because none of us were great you know it's like we were all right and uh you know once we focused and really started working on it we became uh, more of musicians and stuff but but yeah it was always just a friend thing first and uh so yeah we're, we're always just hanging out we were together today We've been together like 20 times in the last month trying to get ready, ready for all these tours and learning all these new songs and stuff. But we go overboard and we just we just like to hang out. We have a dumb podcast ourselves that yeah. uh, we just, just talk shit and uh, get drunk usually and don't <laughs> don't make any sense. But uh, but we haven't actually been doing it lately. We've been a little bit too busy. But but, you know, we just we just like to hang out, man. I don't know. I don't I don't know why. I don't know why. How I, there's no rhyme or reason to how you keep a band together and how it works. It's it works different for everyone. That's why I'm a really a big fan of this this 2005 song that you guys released, which is on the album. It really yeah. is like it's again the progression of story of the year, but it's nostalgic and it takes you back to that time. Is that the exact sound you were going for with that track? Yeah, that one. Um, we we had the little loop thing. Colin had a, a friend of his gave him like the little drum beat loop, and it was like 
we, we worked on it and changed a lot of stuff, but it, like we had that idea already and uh, we were just sitting in the room um, and it was like, what if we write a song like just about a year? Like we were all just were like, I don't know, like what's, what's a good year? And we were like, well, we came out in like 2003. We're like, oh, that doesn't sound very cool. 2005 <laughs> sounds really good, right? Yeah. And it was like 2005 was kind of the pinnacle of like how I like get our biggest kind of um, and for a lot of the bands in the scene. So, you know, it just kind of wrote itself. It was like, perfect. That's a fucking great title. Um, and we immediately knew what to write it about. It was like, cool. We write it about our band. You know, we just just go down memory lane and and make make it make it a song for us. And yeah, it's it's really connecting with people because a lot of people experienced all of that with us. So uh, it's it's a really special song and it's different for us. It's a little on the popular side, you know. But but I think the authenticity of the lyrics and stuff it's 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 awesome. I love it. We laughed earlier about the idea of like this scene making a comeback and it's a good time to capitalize. But what if this album takes off in such a way that is in the spirit of this comeback? Like, are we still saying goodbye to touring 300 days a year? Like, what if what if the demand for it means you need to be on the road? Yeah, that 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 that's the scary part of like riding that balance of okay, well, now we have a really good record. Yeah. Uh, what do we do with it? Where do we go? Yeah, that's a constant thing we talk about all the time. And you know, we're not unwilling to do anything. It's just. You know, we, we have to balance it as much as we can. But, um, you know, if you get to a certain level, then you can tour comfortably and bring people out with you or do, you know, if you're on Blink-182 level, you have fucking seven buses or whatever. And, you know, everybody has their whole family out with them if they want. But uh, we're not there yet. And I don't know if we ever will be, but uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll cross that road bridge, cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. And obviously you guys will be playing NotFest, what, later this month, actually? Uh, yeah, yeah, in, in Australia, weeks. I won't be there unfortunately because I'm here. But I will be seeing you when you play with Yellow Card. Not fest. Is this the first time you guys have played with Slipknot? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, we've done stuff like this. Um, you know, different touring packages like with Taste of Chaos and stuff. We used to do all the time. Um, we did one with Deftones and Atreyu and As I Lay Dying. So like we've 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 done like the heavier tour packages. But this is Slipknot and Megadeth and shit. It's like. Uh, very, very, we're the standout band that definitely doesn't really fit on that lineup, but, but I love the challenge of being like, okay, we're the, the band that's not like everybody else. And we have to go out there and win some people over. I still love that. That's amazing. And, uh, it's, it is really weird. Cause the next two tours we're doing is Slipknot and yellow card. <laughs> it's like, we're, it's a, we're, it in, a weird we're in between there. We're <laughs> in between there somewhere. So, uh, yeah, we've, cause our music has always, you know, like we were saying earlier, it's, it's been a little bit all over the place. We have the riffy, heavy stuff. Uh, we have the poppy ballad kind of stuff. And then, you know, just the big choruses and everything in between. Um, sometimes we're punk rock. Sometimes we're uh, playing pianos. So you never know. You never know what you're going to get with us. So I, we've always been able to chameleon our way in between these different styles of, of our world, you know. So it, it's kind of fun. It's great. You never get boring. It's great. Have you mapped out anything past that yellow card tour? Or is it kind of just get this album out and then tour probably for what? The rest of the year? We've had a yeah, we've had a bunch of plans. Like we were gonna do some headlining when the record came out, but then the yellow card thing happened, and that was a little later. So we we just kind of scrapped that so we could do that. Um, but yeah, we're gonna do some more headlining later in the year, uh, kind of more celebration of our twentieth anniversary. Cool. Because this is more cool. just, this is more just for yellow cards one. We were gonna try to do it all together, but it's just like it was too crazy, and so we're gonna do a little bit more of that later in the year. And um, yeah, we'll probably get back to Japan and do a couple other places that we love going to. Now that we can tour the world again, it's the first time we've been able to go back to Australia, you know, since uh, the last few years. So, mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, I don't really know. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of options, and we're working it out. It must be annoying getting to that stage where you are getting to the anniversary albums, because now every fan in every country is going to say, "Fuck you! Why didn't we get this anniversary tour?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to be touring the twenty year anniversary <laughs> for the next five years. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we finally got here. Sorry, you, took us a while. Do you think Australia, unfortunately or fortunately, will just be the the headline shows and not fest, and that'll be it at least for for the next little bit? Probably. I don't yep. know. I mean, yeah, we usually get down. Yeah, I don't know. We usually get down there once every year or two. So, I mean, you know, we've been to Australia a lot. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we love it there. It's like one of our favorite places to tour. Like I said, that in Japan, there are two favorite outside of the U.S. It's like it's just we, we do really well in both markets and they're just so much different. It's just so much fun. Australia is great because it's like it's like the 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 uh the better looking version of america you know <laughs> you can still walk around speaking english and everything makes sense but uh yeah. but everything's on the coast and everything's really nice there and you know i don't know why you would choose to come on to this side come on man it's it's new york's pretty is it not <laughs> it is it 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 is it's insane in a different way you know yeah it's, that's everyone's like how is it i'm like it's fucking wild and they're like in a good or bad way i'm like both yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome, but yeah, it it takes a special <laughs> special talent to stay there all the time. Yeah, I, don't know. Well, uh, my, I like to tour. I like to tour in and out, but I haven't been there for too long usually. But yeah, but I love it there. My well, I'll plan to stay at least until the yellow card tour because I'm not going to get this not fair show. Yeah, uh, I I believe on the yellow card tour we're playing some really cool venue. I keep hearing about, but I don't really know about. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're our, basically our your tech- your backdrop is like the Brooklyn Bridge and the river. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, our guitar tech just did it with Senses Fail. They were out mm. with uh, Rise Against and uh, the Used. So, uh, and he said it's it's amazing. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that show for sure. It's gonna yeah. be awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on, man. It was it's great to meet you officially because again, I've I've been a fan for such a long time, and um, it's so good to have you guys back. And the new music is sounding incredible. Just promise thank me you. that if this album takes off, just take the fucking deal. Marvel is in right now, my friend. Just whatever superhero. We will take the new Spider-Man movie. Fine, we'll take it. Superman, I don't give a fuck. Just take it. Yeah, any superhero. I'm just saying yes. I don't even... What is it? It's a superhero movie? Yep, I'm in. I'm in. Deal. Whatever it is. Uh, (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And uh, thank you. Um, Yeah, we're really excited about the new record. And uh, yeah, hope everybody likes it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in a couple months in New York. We will. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. No problem. This episode is proudly sponsored by Audio-Technica Australia. Subscribe, rate, and review The Plug on your preferred podcast platform. And follow us on Instagram and YouTube at The Plug with Neil Griffiths and on TikTok at theplug.podcast to stay up to date with episode releases and giveaways. Music